0: two weeks in a row we're gonna be talking about relationships and the reason we're talking about relationship over the next couple of weeks is because in September we launch our Fall E groups, our, our, our community groups that happen two times a year. We, we, we really promote small groups that are happening around the church. Uh, we, we, we promote them in March, April and May and spring. And then once again, uh, we, we do that once again in the fall. So coming up, believe it or not, we're, we're coming into the fall season, and we're gonna have to put away all of these Hawaiian shirts uh, that we're wearing, and we're gonna have to get out. I know some of the ladies, you're already excited. You saw some clouds, and you started pulling out the boots, right, you started pulling out the jackets. Uh, you're all excited about it. It always blows my mind in October. It's still 100 degrees here in Southern California, but we're all bundled up on Sunday. You know, everybody's wearing their jackets and boots. Can't wait to get that stuff on. Well, I, I'm, I'm still in summer mode. I, I thank God. I wish it was summer year round. So. So I went to Hobby Lobby this past uh, this week, I went to Hobby Lobby, and don't ask me why, but this week I went to Hobby Lobby, my wife wanted to go there, so I went with her, and they've already got Christmas trees out, can you believe that? Christmas trees, I was rebuking them as I'm walking by, come on, man, come on, it's too early for that, so, so anyways, we're, we're getting ready for our fall hub groups, and that's the only thing fall that happens during the fall in Southern California, is we bring our hub groups uh, back. Engage with, and uh, there's always groups going on year round. I, mean, I know that Rachel has been doing a, doing a group, and, and I know our, 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 our ladies, our FWOG ladies are doing, they, they keep their group going year round. I always ask them, hey, you guys wanna keep it going? And they're like, we never stop. We never stopped, we're going all the time, and so I know there are community groups happening year-round, but in the fall, we try to highlight some new ones that are happening and uh, different ways for you to to get in in community with with other people, different ways for you to connect. But let me just go ahead and say this. Let me just get this out this morning. It's not, the only way that you can connect is not just with e-groups or community groups. You can connect Anytime, Did you know that? Like, like after church today, you can invite someone to go out to eat with you and you can, you can develop some community develop some relationships. Did you know you can do that? You, 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 can, you can invite someone out to go with you to eat after church and you can have conversation and you can talk about the things of God and you can get to know one another. Do you know that you can also invite people over to your house? Some of you are like, there's no way I'm ever doing that. You, you, you've never been in my house. Well, okay, I, I, you can invite somebody over to your house. You can, you can engage in relationship. You can, you can, you can have, be, you can be proactive in having community. How many know that? You can be proactive. Some people say, well, I don't have any relationships. Listen, it's not, it's, not, it's not everyone else's fault. Every once in a while, you gotta look at yourself in the mirror and say, well, what am I doing about that? We all need relationships. Here's the thing. There's an attack on relationships, we know that Satan all he wants to do is divide. He knows if he can bring division, he wins. And so we're not gonna allow that to happen. We're gonna be we're gonna be proactive in having and engaging with community and engaging with relationships. Somebody say amen. Amen. So I love the Bible. I, I know you know that. I love God's word because because, because we can read into God's word and even in the small details, God can speak to us. He can speak to us about who we are and what we need and, and, and what, what our soul yearns for. And I know that we can read God's word and, and when we're talking about relationships, we can look at a story in the Bible, we can begin to tear it down and break it apart a little bit and God can begin to reveal some of the relational longings that we have. Every one of us, in our soul, God created us for community. He, he created us to be engaged with one another. The reason he created the church is for the gathering, the, the gathering, the fellowship of the believers. It's, it's a place that God created so that we could be with one another because there's power in a group. There's power in the group, there's power in in, in congregating, there's power in community, amen. So we're gonna read a story this morning in Genesis chapter 29. If you have your Bibles, you can be there with us this morning and and, uh, I'll read one verse and then we'll we'll kind of explain a little bit as we go along. Genesis 29 verse one, the Bible says that when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless, all right. so we'll, we'll jump back into some more scripture, but let me just kind of tell you as you're looking at that scripture, kind of what's going on. B- basically, the story centers around a guy by the name of Jacob, all right? Jacob is on the run. He's basically, his mom basically has given him some inside information. Uh, he's, he, he ripped off his brother and uh, he stole his brother's birthright and his mother has gotten word that your brother's gonna kill you, like literally, he's gonna kill you. He's, he's getting his weaponry together. He's coming after you, and uh, so she basically gives him a heads up, and so he's literally on the run uh, for his life, running away from, from his brother, and, and, um, and, and so now uh, he, he, he's going. He's trying to find a place to hang out, trying to find a way to take care of himself, so he ends up at his, long story short, he ends up at his uncle Laban's house, all right, he he shows up and there's there's Uncle Laban and uh, they don't know each other very well, but but he ends up at Uncle Laban's house and his eyes his eyes uh, meet uh, his uh, Laban's daughter, a girl by the name of Rachel. All right, so now when 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 Jacob sees Rachel, he's smitten instantly. This guy sees sees Rachel and he says. That woman will be mine. All right. He he can't picture himself with anyone else. All he wants, the only thing he desires, is to be married to Rachel. And 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 so he goes to his uncle. He's like, hey, uncle, you know, I, I you have a daughter, Rachel. I mean, she's amazing. I'd like to I'd like to be her husband, you know. Can we work something out? Can we work some sort of a deal. And and back then they'd have to they'd have to earn the right to, to be married to a daughter. And so so Laban's got some leverage on Jacob. And so he, he tells he tells Jacob, but I want, okay, if you want to marry Rachel, you're gonna to have to work for seven years. At the end of seven years, I'll give you the right to marry my daughter. So so that sounds like a long time to work for a, a female bride, uh, but but Jacob thinks that's that's an amazing deal like that that uh, the, he instantly takes the deal he accepts the offer and he begins seven years of hard labor to earn the right to marry uh, uncle Laban's daughter and so at the end of seven years he comes knocking on the door he's like uncle um, it's been seven years. I've been counting down the days. They've been long. It's been hard. But, but, but you promised me if I worked for seven years that I would have, I would be able to marry your daughter. Well, now's the time. And so Laban agrees. He's like, yeah, you have worked hard. You've worked for seven years. Uh, you, you, you have earned that right. So we're going to throw a wedding feast and uh, we're going to send you off on your honeymoon. And, and, and what we need to know in this story is that Rachel is actually the younger of two sisters. The other sister is, a, is another, another girl by the name of Leah, and, and the Bible describes them. It says, that, it says that, that Laban had two daughters, and it describes Rachel as being, as being a beautiful in form and appearance. All right, so Rachel is beautiful in form and appearance, and now we know why uh, Jacob wanted to marry her, all right? He saw that, the Bible even, even backs him up on this, that she is beautiful in form and appearance, all right? Now, when the Bible describes Leah, look at what it says about Leah. It says, Leah's eyes were delicate. All right, so, so, I mean, it doesn't really kind of go into detail what that actually means. Who knows what that means? For eyes to be delicate, I, I, I tend to think that they're crossed, like they're, they're weak and they're delicate, and so when they turn a certain way, they don't go back where they're supposed to. And so when you're talking to Leah, you know, you're, you're looking at her, she's looking at something else, and so, so, so she has delicate eyes. That's the only thing I can think of in my mind, but, but Rachel is beautiful in form and appearance, Leah has delicate eyes, all right? And so, and so, and so um, it's the wedding night. Uh, they're, they're, Jacob is out there, they're partying. It's a massive feast. Um, uh, Laban keeps kind of adding a little alcohol to Jacob's drink and, and, and uh, keeps topping off his glass of wine. And, and Jacob the whole time is like, let's get the party over. Like, it's been seven years. I've been waiting a long time for this, for this moment. I wanna get on with the honeymoon. And so the sun goes down. It's beginning to get a little bit late. He's, he's getting a little anxious. He goes to his uncle Laban like, like uncle, like let's end this party. Um, um, you know, it's time for, for, for you know, the, the, the real party to begin. And uh, we, we wanna get over with this. And so Laban says, all right, all right, Jacob. You know, go in the tent. And so, so there goes there goes Jacob off to the off into the tent, and uh, Laban's like, all right, turn the light off. All right, and so so Jacob's excited. He turns the light off, and, and all of a sudden, Laban, you know, she, he shoves Leah in, into the tent. And uh, we can't blame Jacob for what took place because it's been seven years. All right, and so he's a little bit he's he's a little bit you know kind of kind of excited and, and uh, not really paying attention and and not really not really sure what's going on. But well, all we do know is the next morning. Um, all of a sudden, Jacob wakes up, he opens his eyes, and he sees delicate eyes, and he's like, whoa, like, oh my gosh, and, and, and you can imagine, he's frustrated, he's disappointed, he's angry, he's like, what are you doing in here, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden, uh, he's, 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 all, he's all upset, and he's shocked by what, he, what he's seeing, he storms out of the tent. Now imagine being Leah in this situation, first, The dad basically, by his actions, he basically told her that, that because she, she'll never be able to find someone to love her, and so he's gonna have to deceive someone into taking her, at, he's gonna have to manipulate a way for her to get married. That's basically what he's told her by his action, and, and we know that's, that's not what a father's role is with a daughter. A father's role is to is to, to build the, the, the esteem of his daughter, to, to build her confidence, but what's happened is Laban's just done the exact opposite, and you can imagine the emotional, psychological damage this has done to Leah so, so now, now, for seven years, Jacob's been working for Rachel, all right? But he thinks he's going to get Rachel. His vision, his heart, um, his, his plans, his desire is for Rachel, and now he's disappointed. Imagine how Leah felt when, when she experienced not only the rejection from Jacob, but also, also her father uh, and, and what he did. And, and so now, here's Leah. She's just consummated their union. She's just given everything that she has. Like, she's given the most of who she has. They've just committed the most intimate, intimate act. And, and at first light, what she experiences as a result is rejection. Amen. So now we, we follow along in the story. Jacob, he comes out of the tent, storming out of the tent. Now he's, he's demanding an explanation from Laban. In verse 26, Laban says, Hey, well, well Jacob. Maybe you don't understand what our custom is around here. Maybe you don't understand our culture, but it's never never in our culture for the younger daughter to get married first. So so it's always the older daughter that has to to be married first. So Laban says this, he says, I want you to finish off the bridal week, like just get through it, all right? You You can do it, get through it. And then what we'll do is we'll make a deal I'll give you Rachel in exchange for another seven years of hard labor. So so now, now Jacob's been being tricked into working another seven years, and, and he ends up, at the end of the day, after 14 years, he's married to both of Laban's daughters. He's married to both Leah and Rachel. Now, the problem with this is this. He's married to Leah, he's married to Rachel, but his affection and his heart is always moving toward Rachel. And so, and so when Jacob has free time, he wants to spend it with Rachel and not with Leah. You guys guys kind of follow the story. Whenever Jacob is affectionate, whenever they're taking a walk on the beach, it's Jacob holding holding Rachel's hand. Meanwhile, Leah just kind of follows along behind. When it's it's date night, it's date night with Rachel, and and, and Leah's, Leah's stuck at home. So imagine the things that Leah is living with. Imagine the different thoughts and emotions that she's living, living with, and the Bible kind of shows us what's going on inside of her heart in verse 31. The Bible says that, 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 that the Lord saw that Leah was, was, was unloved or he, that Leah was, was not loved. Now, I don't know if there's anything more destructive for a person to, to experience than being unloved. We know that society is full of people that feel this way, but I don't think there's anything more wicked, more evil, more destructive than for someone to experience and go through life and feel unloved. There's lots of there's lots of women stuck in marriages where they feel they feel there's 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 sexual intimacy, but there but there is no love. There, here's Leah. She's married, and she has to deal with the obvious evidence. That, that she is, she's unloved, all right? And so here's God in heaven, and we'll, this is so amazing because, because this is how God found all of us. All of us probably were experiencing a level of, of, of rejection and, and disappointment, and, and, and God saw us and loved us in spite of that. Aren't you grateful for that? And so the Bible says that, that God saw that she was unloved and God enabled her to conceive but Rachel remained childish, or childless. Uh, She she remained barren. Verse 32, Leah became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben. Say Reuben. Reuben. For she said, it's because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. And then she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a second son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too, and she named him Simeon. Say Simeon. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now now, at last my husband uh, will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons, and so she named him Levi, say Levi, Levi. And then she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I'm gonna praise the Lord, so she named him Judah, say Judah, Judah. The fifth son is classic, I love the fifth son. In chapter 30, verse 14, the Bible says that during the wheat harvest, Reuben, her oldest son, went out into the fields and found some mandrake plants. Now, if you don't know what mandrake plants are, if you watched Harry Potter, they're the plants that look like people. You guys remember that? That's a mandrake. Okay, so, 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 so Reuben's found these mandrake plants and, they, and she, he brought them to his mother Leah and Rachel said to Leah, Rachel said, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. She's like, "Baron she doesn't have kids but she sees these plants that have roots that look like kids, and she's like, I want one of those, all right? And so, and, and, so, and so she said, bring me, let me have some of your son's mandrakes, and Leah said to her, isn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take away my son's mandrakes too? I like, there's a little bit of stress going on, like it's kind of a little bit strange, but watch what happens next, it's a pure comedy. Very well, Rachel said, he can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. And so in other words, I'm gonna give a night, I'm gonna give up a night of intimacy with our husband if you give me your son's mandrakes, all right? So, so when Jacob came in from the fields, Leah went out to meet him and says, you must sleep with me. I've hired you with my son's mandrakes. And so he slept with her that night. I mean, you gotta love the Bible. Like, some people think the Bible's boring. This is, this is not boring, this is brilliant. This is amazing, all right? And so in verse 17, God listened to Leah and she became pregnant and bore a fifth son, and Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband, and so she named him Issachar, say Issachar. And Leah conceived again, she bore Jacob a sixth son, she's busy, come on, sixth son, And and, and, and Leah said, God's presented me with a precious gift, this time my husband will treat me with honor because I've borne him six sons, so she named him Zebulun, say Zebulun, Zebulun. So so in this story, Leah has six sons. And and if we look deeply into the story, we just examine examine a little bit, we can see from the way she named her six sons, we can also see the relational longings that God's placed inside of each one of us. I've I've entitled this sermon, Name-Dropping, because have you ever been been around someone that's dropping names and dropping names of people they know and, and really what they're doing is they're hinting to you that they're important because they must be important if they know these people. And so they're name dropping to kind of drop hints at the same time. Well, in this story, Leah was name dropping and she was providing hints or small glimpses as we, as we study out the names of her sons, we see the longing that she had as an individual for relationship. And so we're gonna just, really quickly, we're gonna gonna breeze through these six names, and I want you just to understand that as we we look at each one of these, we're, we're examining something inside of us we all need, a longing that we all have relationship longings that that we need to have met in our lives, and I believe we can meet those needs in the relationship, in the context of the relationships that God provides for us, amen. And so we can see how these longings can be worked out in marriage, we can see how these longings can be worked out in relationship with our kids, but we can also see how these relationships can be worked out in the context of our church, amen. so son number one, a guy by the name of Reuben, if you look at the name Reuben, what it means in its original, original form, original language, Reuben means to be seen. Somebody say to be seen, to be seen. So, so Leah has her first son, she names him Reuben, and she's showing us that the first relational longing that each and every one of us have is to be seen. Every person in here, our longing, we have a longing. This is more than just to be noticed. There's something inside of us that we need. We need, we have a longing to be seen. You can really see this kind of work its way out in kids. If if any parents in here, you would recognize your kids. There's always that time when you're busy doing something Maybe you're busy in conversation with somebody, you're having a, a deep conversation with somebody, or maybe you're just busy doing some work or something around the house and you're trying to pay attention to what you're doing. Usually it's in those times that your small son or daughter will be doing something trying to get your attention. Look at me, look at me. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're look dad, no hands, riding the bike and then, you know, falls over or, or, or whatever the case may be. It's, it's when, Usually when we're, our, our attention is focused on something else, we see the longing in our children that they have a longing to be seen. And so they'll act out, they'll do rebellious stuff, they'll just trying to get your attention. How many have experienced that before, parents? Trying to get your attention because inside of them, they, they have a longing in their heart to be seen, and, and this, this, this longing doesn't just end as we, as we mature and as we grow older. It, it actually, I think it, it gets, it gets more, more important that there's a, there's a longing inside of us to be seen. We want to be seen. We need eye contact once in a while. Come on, somebody. We need eye contact once in a while, and let me tell you something. There's nothing worse than trying to have a conversation with somebody with no eye contact. Like you're trying to share a deep, intimate detail of something that's happened, and they're too busy on their phone to look up at you and give you some eye contact. And that is, does does that frustrate anybody more than than anything else? Like it's so frustrating, why? Because there's a longing inside of us, we need to be seen. We need that, that eye contact. And it's amazing that when you take the time out of the busyness of your schedule, you take time out of the business of what you're currently involved with and doing right now, it's amazing what happens when you just stop and look in your spouse's eyes again. Come on, how I many of you experience that when you're married? Like, like when you just put down the phone and put down what you're doing and stop and, and just make eye contact and have a conversation, it's amazing what happens. It's like you fall in love all over again. Has anybody experienced that before? Come on, are you with me today? Come on. It's like it's like the eyes. What the Bible describes the eyes as the windows to the soul. And there's something about looking into someone's eyes and, and giving them, disconnecting from everything else and giving your full attention. There's nothing like it. Come on, there's there's nothing like it. And here's here's the thing: is we're living in a day and age where this is this is so important and so missed. It's, it's just not happening in this day and age, and people, we see it in, in our world, people are desperate to be noticed. And so what, what, what do we see them doing? There's, there's something that, that inside of people, they're so desperate to be noticed, they'll build this massive facade just to get people to pay attention to them. And so they'll drive a car they can't afford. They'll wear clothes that don't fit them. Just to be, just to be noticed just to be noticed, but there's something so much greater than being noticed, it's being seen. It's a longing that each, and I, each one of us, you and I both have, we, we have a desire inside of us to be seen for who we are, for someone to really know us, to really be able to see inside of us. And so Leah, in the naming of her first son, shows us a longing that we all have to be seen. What she was saying is, is now that I've given Jacob his firstborn son, now he will see me. Now he'll no longer look past me to Rachel, but he'll see me for for who I am. There's a longing for each and every one of us, in each and every one of us to be seen. Somebody say amen, amen. Number two, number two, she has her second son, and uh, she names him Simeon, and Simeon, in its original form, original language, means to be heard. Somebody say to be heard. To be heard. Have you ever been? Have you ever been like maybe doing something, or your your attention is focused on? Maybe you're listening to some music, or 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 maybe you're maybe you're kind of listening to a podcast, or or or, or doing something, and, and someone's talking to you at the same time. Have you, ever, have you ever been kind of like, like you, you know someone's talking to you, but you're not really listening. You know what I mean? They're, they're talking and you're like you, know, kind of like, you know, kind of like, you know, pretending like you're listening, and, and then all of a sudden, my mom used to say this all the time, Adam, listen to me, you know? <laughs> listen to me, you know? There's a difference between hearing and listening. And there's a desire, there's a desire that each and every one of us have to be heard. There's a, don't ever confuse hearing for listening. Is not, she's talking and I'm doing something else. And I'm just shaking my head and nodding. You can hear and not listen. How many know that to be true? You can hear and not, but we were created to communicate. We have a longing inside of us, every one of us, we have a longing to communicate, and so there's a power, not just in speaking, all right, but there's a power that, that we possess to, to, to listen and to be heard. So when communication, it takes two. It takes someone to speak, but it also takes another to listen to. When you listen to something, you are valuing the person. When you listen to what someone is saying to you, you're valuing, you're saying, you, when you listen, you're actually communicating to the person that what you're saying is important to me. Every single one of us have a longing to be heard. Every single one of us have a, have a longing for communication, and, and that's why that, that, that one of the forms of capital punishment is, is something called solitary confinement. It's when you place someone in a room and you cut them off from society, you cut them off from being seen, you cut them off from, from, from being heard, there's no communication. Most people would prefer to be inflicted with pain than to be placed in solitary confinement, to be isolated from everyone else. Why is that? Because there's a longing inside of every one of us, not only to be seen, but also to be heard. There's a longing that we have to communicate, to be listened to, to to engage with. This is something that God placed on the inside of us. And so here's Leah, she has her second born son, Simeon, and what she's saying is, now my husband, now my husband will hear me. I have a deep longing in my heart. God placed it inside of me. Now that I've born him a second son, maybe now he'll listen to me. Now maybe he'll engage with me. Each and every one of us have the same cry. Each and every one of us have the same need. It's a need to be heard, to be heard, amen. And we see that in, 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 in Simeon. Number three, the third son she has is a guy by the name of Levi. And Levi means attached. Levi means attached. So. So, so Leah says, I, I, I have a longing to be seen, I have a longing to be heard, but I also have a longing inside to belong. I have a longing for attachment. There's a, there's a relational longing, every one of us in this room have, there's a longing for belonging. There's a longing for belonging, and that's why, that's why some of you you, you, you trace back your history, you trace back your life even as a young person, and some of you, you found your, your life devoted to a, a team that you played with. Maybe a soccer team or a little league team. You were devoted to that team. You, you, were, you, you, you longed to be with that group of people. There's a longing that we have to, to belong somewhere. Maybe for you, you found yourself on the streets and you found yourself involved in, with, with a neighborhood, a group of people in the neighborhood, a gang, or, or, or wherever the case may be. You, you, why did you find yourself in that community? Because you had a longing to fit in somewhere. Are you with me today? There was a longing, a longing to, to be, to, to belong and, and all of us have that. That's why there, that's why there's clubs and teams and groups and, 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 and God gave us the church for that, for that same reason because there's power in connection. Come on, somebody You're with me today. Come on. There's power in connection. And, and I think that church is the ultimate expression of belonging. It's the ultimate expression of connection and contact and, and being around. It's the ultimate expression of a place that you can go and belong. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what city you're from, where you live. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. The church is a place that God created that you can walk in regardless of your status and you can belong. You can, it's a place where you can belong, amen. It's a place where you can put down your facade and people will accept you for who you are. It's a place where you, it's okay to not be okay as long as we're on the road to being okay. You know what I'm talking about? It's that place, it's something we all long for. And so Elevate is not a concert you go to on Sunday morning. It's not, it's not, it's not some event that you attend, it's a community. It's a community of connection and belonging. It's why, why, we, why we use the word discipleship. What's discipleship? Discipleship can't happen uh, apart from community. It doesn't work apart from community. Discipleship happens in the context of relationship. It happens in engagement and interaction. Why is it so important to, to gather together in small groups and, and, and be, be, be vulnerable one with another? Because that's how, that's how discipleship takes place. It's where iron sharpens iron. It's where we're able to discuss what we're going through and the problems that we have, and we're able to bounce things off one another and turn to God's word together and grow in the things of God together. Discipleship happens when we're we're together. That's why we encourage you to join a small group or or serve on a team because all of us, every one of us, we don't don't have a need to come to attend a service. We have a need for connection. We have a need for for community. And so here's Leah, she understands this. She understands a, a dynamic that's missing from her life that she has a need to be attached. She names her son Levi, which means to be attached. What was she saying? I need to belong. I need to feel that sense of belonging. You know that the largest organ in the human body is what? Some of you say, it's, it's my butt. No, it's not, it's, it's your skin, it's your skin. Every one of us, and, and our skin is loaded with millions and millions and millions of nerve endings. Why? So that we, we, we experience touch, and every one of us have a need. Never, never underestimate the power of touch. We we need touch. That's one of the things that I hated when we when we first opened back up after the the pandemic. There was a Pressure that 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 everybody was had the virus on them, and so and so it was like you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna try and you know stop the the, the touching you know? anything of physical interaction we're gonna kind of limit, and it felt so dumb to say it because, because I, when we come to church especially around here we, we're, we're we're grabbing hands and we're we're giving each other hugs and there's value in in just human connection and the ability to touch we all have that. We all have that need inside of us. There's, there's power in touch. That's why a baby can be screaming and tormented and, 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 and it sounds like they're dying, like they're, they're, being, they're being crushed. But mo- the moment you pick them up, all of a sudden they, they, they experience comfort. What is that? It's the need that God's showing us, the need that we have for, for touch. We're attached to something, a place that where we belong, amen. Her fourth son, her fourth son, she names Judah. Judah means praise. Judah means praise. We're all part of the, the, we're the line of the tribe of Judah. We're all part of the, of, 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 the, of the community of praise. Praise is a powerful, powerful tool. And praise isn't just something that we sing. It's not just a part of our service. Praise is something that we do all the time. It's a part of who we are. And what Leah was saying is I have a desire, I have a need inside of me, I have a desire to be praised. All right, a lot of times when people, I've heard sermons preached on this particular scripture. And they would talk about how Leah named her other sons and, and you know, she just wasn't getting it. She was seeking uh, you know acceptance from her from her husband, but only God can, can bring you true uh, acceptance. And so she finally gets it. She names her her son Judah, which means praise. So she gave her praise to God and and, and God turned her life around. That's kind of was the, was the whole sermon. But I think I think she 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 named Judah praise because she basically was saying, she was saying, you know, Rachel, zero, me for winning, you know, that's kinda of what's going on. She's like, praise me, praise me, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing a pretty good job here. And here's the thing about praise, praise is incredibly powerful. How many believe that? Praise is powerful because whatever you praise, it elevates. And so why do, we, why, do we, why do we go so hard in praise and worship on Sunday mornings? Because what we're trying to do is elevate the presence of God here in this place. And so whatever you praise, it begins to elevate. God inhabits the praise of his people. So when we praise the Lord, he shows up. It's just the way it is, all right? And so it's the same, it's the same way in every part of our lives. Whatever you praise, it elevates. What, what, is, what, is, what is praise? Well, praise is... You can't have praise without appreciation. Whatever you praise appreciates, okay? So what do you mean by that, Adam? Well, if you buy a house, and it, if it appreciates in value, that means it's, it goes up in value. It's worth more than it than it was. But if you buy a house and it depreciates in value, what does that mean? It, it means it goes, goes down in value. Whatever you praise appreciates. When, when you praise something, it appreciates in value. Are, are, you, are you with me today? You can't have praise without appreciation. Here's the thing, if you appreciate your spouse, you'll find them rising in value. Let me hear all the husbands say amen. If you appreciate your spouse, you're gonna find them rising in, in value. I, when I, when I uh, first was married, I was 19 years old, and let's just be honest, I was a doofus when it came to marriage. I had no idea what I was doing, and I thought it was my job to be the head of the house. And what that meant is my job was to correct my wife. And all the ladies are laughing, all the husbands are like, it's not? <laughs> I, 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 thought it was, I thought it was my job to correct my wife, and here's the thing: I tried to do that, thinking I'm the head of the house. I'm going I'm gonna, This is how it goes around here, and I found out real fast that my marriage wasn't doing so hot. I remember after about six months in, walking into my dad's office and saying, "Dad, I think I made a mistake. Like, is there any way, anything we can do about this? Can we, can we, can we go back in time and kind of, kind of, can I get out of this somehow?" And and it's because I didn't understand praise. And, and how praise works, and, and all of a sudden, I began to realize over time that my wife is a reflection of the kind of husband that I am. My ability to be a husband is gonna be directly resulting in, the, in, in, in my wife. I'm gonna, you're gonna see how good of a husband I am by the kind of wife she is. And so the question that I felt God asked me is, well, what kind of wife do you want? and I'm glad she's not here today. She's at the Fullerton campus so so I can talk about this stuff, you know? And so I'm, you know, what kind of wife do I want? My mind's thinking, well, you know, I I want, you know, I want a Proverbs, I've always heard my whole life about a Proverbs 31 kind of wife, you know what I mean? Like Proverbs 31, and so so immediately I thought, you know what I'll do is, when she's not acting Proverbs 31, um, what I'll do is I'll just kind of open the Bible up to that and leave it open on the counter. You, You know, Carrie, did you read your Bible today? Oh no! It's right over there on the counter. counter you know, maybe God wants to speak to you this morning. You know, something like that. Because I figure if God, if she would just get more of Proverbs 31, she'd realize the type of person she's supposed to be. The problem is, is that when you read Proverbs 31, uh, all of a sudden you begin to see something uh, that 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 is very important for us to notice. Is in verse 28, the Bible says that. To notice is in verse 20, her children rise up and call her blessed and her husband also, and the Bible says, he praises her. And so all of a sudden I began to realize that, that <laughs> I, I began to understand that in my life, what I have to do as a husband is I have to speak things into existence. Even if they're not there, I gotta speak them. Romans says, speak things that are not as though they are as no they are. You know, a lot of times we, we look at even the book of Genesis, we look at Adam and he created Eve. And a lot of times we think the story goes something like this, that. That Adam saw that God saw that Adam was alone, it's not good for him to be alone, and so the Bible says that God said, I'll make a helper suitable for him. And then we think the next thing that happens is, so he puts Adam into a deep sleep, pulls out a rib, fashioned Eve, says, here's, here's your wife. He goes, whoa, man, and that's how the whole thing happened. That's how we think the story goes. But really, that's, that's not how it goes. God saw that Adam was was alone, he said it's not good for man to be alone, I'm gonna make a helper suitable for him, all right, and then the very next thing that God does is not put him into a sleep, but what he does is he All of a sudden, he begins to form from the ground all of the animals and all of the birds in the sky. In in, in verse 19 of chapter two, the Bible says, he brought them to, to Adam to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called them, that's what they became. So before God gives Adam Eve, he has to learn the power of his words. This is what God's trying to, before God gave Adam the privilege of a partner, God recognized it wasn't good for him to be alone. God recognized he needs to give him a a helper suitable for him. But before he could do that, he had to teach him the power of how his words shape things. And so listen, the question is this, is, is, is what are you speaking into your wife? What are you speaking into your relationships? Because whatever you call them, that's what they'll become, amen. Praise such a powerful thing, such a powerful thing. It's something when you praise, it's something we all long to have in our lives. The more that we praise, the more something elevates. When we praise our kids, we see them rise to the occasion. When we praise our spouse, we begin to, we begin to see them rise through the guilt, through the shame, through the condemnation. All, all of a sudden, when we change our language to praise, praise is a powerful thing. We all long to be praised. Why, why do cheerleaders why do they cheer for, 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 for a running back getting one yard? Because there's power in praise. Because that, that guy goes, oh man, look at me, they're cheering for me, I'm gonna run harder next time. That's, that's, that's inside of every one of us. There's a relational longing each of us have to be praised. That's why heaven is full of praise. Come on, heaven, when you, when you talk about heaven, the reason it's peaceful is because praise is present. The reason heaven is awesome is because it's praise. It's going 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every moment every, of every hour, angels are in the zone because, because there's praise. You know, earth, your home, the reason it's full of chaos, maybe it's because there's not enough praise going on because there's a longing we have for praise. Amen, let me move to the next one. When these guys come up, that means I'm running out of time, so I'm gonna have to move kind of quick. Here, her fifth son, right after the Mandrake episode. Her fifth son is, is a guy by the name of Issachar. Issachar means to be rewarded, to be rewarded. Being rewarded is even, is, it, it goes a step further than just praise. There's something about being rewarded. It's something about a thank you note. Something about going above and beyond. We need we need rewards happening in our relationships. We need. We need rewards happening in our marriage and in our, in our families. Just imagine going to work and you know, it's at the end of the year and you're, you're, you're there for your, your annual review and they sit you down and they say, you know what? You've done an amazing job this year. You, 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 you've, you've crushed every goal. You, you, you've, you've done so much more than we ever expected. You've really made this position amazing. And so we just wanna, we just wanna thank you. You're, you're an amazing employee. And what if that was the end of the conversation? it would be like a little bit disheartening, right? Because what we wanna hear next is, and because of all the hard work that you've put in, we ha- we're gonna give you a bonus, or we're gonna, we're gonna give you a raise. What is that? That's a reward. It's a reward. It's necessary in relationship. We all have a need, we all have a desire, and this is, this is Leah, she's saying, well, now that I've had five sons, Surely now my husband will, will, will reward me, will reward me for, for my, my work. And here's the thing, it's correct to honor labor. The Bible says that God is a rewarder. We need to be people that are, are we need to be rewarders as well. We need rewarding happening in our marriage relationship. We, we, need, we need that happening. We, there's something about being rewarded. It's a longing inside of every, every single one of us. There's something about reward, and we all need that once in a while. Number six, her last son is a guy by the name of Zebulun. And Zebulun is to, to, it means to dwell securely. To dwell securely. Something we all need, all need in relationship is secure, security. We all we all have a longing for security and I struggle to unpack this for you but but there's something about the word boundaries I think about when I think about boundaries boundaries in relationships are, are so important how many how many recognize that boundaries are so important but 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 oftentimes you think about a boundary a boundary seems like it's something that's limiting it kind of holds you holds you in and holds you but, but there's something about about, about knowing your boundaries and knowing the limitations when it comes to relationship that all of a sudden once you know those limitations once you know those boundaries there's security in that you know when you when you raise kids that know boundaries they're they're confident kids when when you raise when you raise children and you teach them boundaries all of a sudden kids are confident when they know there's restrictions. They're, they're confident, and they, there's something about, about being in a secure place. And a secure place has boundaries. It's like that in our relationship with God. It's like that in our relationship with others. And here's the thing, a lot of times people think, well, well, if you're a Christian, you know, Christians have all these rules, and they have all these, you know, God has all these, these, these rules and restrictions. And, and here's the thing that I've found about, about being in relationship with God. Yes, there are boundaries that God lays for me, but when I, when I adhere to those boundaries, I find that, that just like David wrote in Psalm 18, David writes, he brought me out into a spacious place. There's something about the boundaries, the restrictions that God places in our lives, and he puts them there for our benefit. And actually, when we live inside of those boundaries, there's a security that we feel. It brings us out into a place of freedom, a place of liberty. And that's something we all long for in our, in our relationships. We long for, for security. To know, I'm not gonna take this relationship beyond where it's supposed to go. That, that boundary produces confidence, produces security in a relationship. Maybe you're, Maybe you're dating, or maybe you're, you're trying to take a relationship to the next level. Listen, when you, when you put the boundaries, those, those boundaries aren't meant to restrict. They're, 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 meant to, they're meant to bring you security. But This relationship is deeper than that. Boundaries are a good thing. And this is one thing that Leah recognizes right here. She says, she says, she says I'm gonna, I'm gonna name, name my son Zebulun because I wanna be able to dwell securely. See, she was longing for that. It's a longing that each and every one of us have. We all have these, these, these six relational longings. And, and here's the thing, every relational longing we have, God meets those longings. Because, because God knows exactly where you're at right now. Here's the thing, God sees you. Isn't that the first relational longing we learned about today? Is that, is that we all have a desire to be seen. I'm here today to tell you that God sees you. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows where you. Do you know that God hears you? That when when you pray, that God hears your prayer. He turns his ear to your prayer. We serve a God that he, he answers that relational longing. He becomes that person. He hears your cry. He saves your tears in a bottle. He knows what's going on. He sees you, he hears you. We serve a God that, 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 that wants to shower you with praise. Do you know the Bible says that, that God sings over us. He sings over us. God wants to shower you with praise. He rejoices over you with singing. Do you know that we serve a God that wants to attach himself to you? He wants to be in, in such close, related, he's covered all the bases. He calls you his bride. In other words, you're married in. He calls you his sons and his daughters. That means, that, that means you're a part of his family through, through birth. He calls you, he says that we're adopted. In every, every area, any way that we could be connected to a family, God covers all the bases. Why? Because he wants to be attached to you. He meets that relational longing. He wants to reward, reward you. The Bible says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God wants to reward you. He wants to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into this reward. God is a reward, aren't you grateful for that? And here's the thing, God wants you to dwell securely. God, aren't you grateful that our relationship with God is not up and down, in and out? on and off, it's not like that. Our relationship with God is, is something that we can count on, it's, it's, it, it, we, can, we can dwell securely in the arms of our God. Aren't you grateful that every relational longing that we need, God meets? Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You, you are with me. He walked into that valley, you know, David walked into that valley with comfort, Because they knew that God was with him. And we can always rely on God. He'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. Every relational longing you have, God meets. He meets. Maybe you're here today, all of this room. Maybe bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place. Just for a moment, we're going to pray together this morning. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a close, intimate relationship with God. You're here today and you don't have a relationship with God. And some of these areas, the the longings that we all have, as I began to talk about some of those things, you, you recognize some of those areas are missing in your life. Some of those relational longings are missing in your life. And maybe today, maybe you say, you know what? I need to have those needs met. There's only one place. There's only one stop that you need to make this morning and that's to invite the Lord Jesus into, into relationship with you if you're here today you say you know what I want to give my life to Jesus I want to enter into relationship with God all over this place maybe you just raise your hand maybe raise your hand all over this place I'd love to pray with you today I want to do div- I want a relationship with God I see that hand right there thank you you can put that down anyone else right back there I see that hand right here and right here thank you for that I see those hands you say, I, I, I have a relational re- re- relationship void in my life the void can be met right here right now this morning with a relationship beginning a relationship with God all over this place you say that's me I want to give I want to give my heart to Christ I want to enter into relationship with Jesus all over this place you'd raise your hand raise your hand all over this place anyone else anyone else those of you that raised your hands all the way in the back I saw that hand raised. I believe you meant that, and right here, I believe you meant that. Right here, I believe you meant that. Would you do me a favor? Would you come down? I want to pray with you today. Come on down here. Just stand up, stand up, and come. We'd love to pray with you this morning. Amen. Amen. Right back there. Amazing. Yeah. Come on. Come on. We give these. Can we give these a wonderful, wonderful people. Come on. It's a big step to come down here. Come on, what an amazing, amazing decision you're making today, every relational longing. How many recognize, as we began to talk through those different things, every one of us have have those needs? And God meets them all, he checks all the boxes. He checks all the boxes. God God did everything he could to have relationship with you. The the Bible tells us that, that our relationship with God was severed because of sin, sin. What is sin? Sin is where we miss the mark, it's where we screw up, it's where we make mistakes. And the Bible says we've all done that. So has, has any of you guys made a mistake, sinned, done something wrong? Anybody out there, sinned, done something wrong? Let me see Let me see your hands. Go ahead, and turn around, look at all these people, they are, they're all sinners, every single one of them. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short. But here's the thing, because, because the wages of sin is death, Jesus had to die so that we could be forgiven. And so that's why Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, went through all kinds of torment. Why? Because he desired a relationship with Naomi. That's what he wanted more than anything. He experienced excruciating punishment and judgment, and it was your sin he died for. What a great, what a great story, what a celebration that is. And so this morning, all we have to do is we have to, we have to accept that free gift, believe that what Jesus did on the cross was more than enough to, to, to erase our penalty. Ask him into our heart. Ask him to to come inside and and, and be with us and have relationship. And the Bible says that that he comes in, that that we become new creations. Old things pass away. All things become new. If anyone anyone knocks, it's what we're doing today. We're inviting Jesus in. That's what we're gonna do this morning. So coming out, come close. Let's pray together. Can we do that? Come close. Say say these words from, from your mouth, out of your mouth, but from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, shedding your blood for me. I thank you that your blood is more than enough to forgive me of my sins. I invite you into my heart, invite you in my life. I believe you rose again so that I could be saved. Come inside of my life, make me new. It's my decision that from this day forward, I'm gonna serve you, I'm gonna live for you, in Jesus' name, amen. Lord, right now, I pray for all, all of these people right now. Lord, this decision that they've made to invite you into their life, I pray and thank you that every relation, relational longing you fill, you check all the boxes. Lord, you forgive us, you accept us, you love us. And so right now, every, every one of these that have given their life to you today, I pray right now, Lord, that you would fill them with your love. Lord, that you'd fill them with your spirit. Lord, that they would know that something's changed on the inside and what that is is your presence is now inside. We believe that. Lord, we thank you that a miracle's transformed. It just happened this morning and all of heaven is rejoicing with the decision of these young, these people. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen, 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 amen. Come on. Can we give the Lord some praise? Can we celebrate a little bit? Amazing, amazing. Come on. Amazing. 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 You know, there's some people behind you and uh, they want to just talk to you, pray with you, answer any questions, talk to you about our church, anything, any questions you might have. But we're just so excited, man. We're so excited. The decision you guys have made and we're here for you. We're here for you to help you follow Jesus. Amen. Come on, help you follow Jesus. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Amen. Amen. I love seeing, I love seeing people give their lives to Christ. Can we stand up all over this room? I love it when people give their lives to Christ. How many of you remember the time you gave your life to Christ? Come on. If you remember when Jesus came inside of your life, stand to your feet all over this room. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today that you meet every longing that we have. Lord, we're thankful today, Lord, that you see us, that you hear us. Lord, that you shower praise over us, Lord, that you're a rewarder. God, we thank, we thank you today, Lord, that you, you offer a place for us to belong. Lord, that we can dwell securely, Lord, within your within your grasp. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Come on, all over this place. Lift your hands and just begin to worship the Lord. All of this place. Come on, lift your hands, glove on for a minute. You want my heart. I just want you to look around all over this place. God's, God's brought you. He's placed you in a community. It's not an accident. It's not an accident that God brought you into this house. It's not an accident that he's placed you in this place. There's something, there's a community here that God's, God's connected you to. We gotta take advantage of that. We gotta take an adva- advantage of it. God wants to meet some of our relational longings and he meets. We're we're better together, can somebody say amen to that? So over the next little week, next next week, we're gonna be talking about some different ways that you can get engaged in community, and I'm challenging you to take those opportunities. I'm challenging you to jump in and, and get a little vulnerable. I know it's a little bit hard to do that, maybe a little nervous, but I'm challenging you to do it. You have a need for it, and God meets those needs in community. Amen. Maybe even today you can invite someone with you to go out to lunch. Maybe you could do that. Sit around a table. Nothing nothing better than than, than being in community one with another. Amen. Lord, I pray over this congregation. God, so grateful for this people. Grateful for for the family that you've placed us in. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't run from that, Lord, but we'd engage in that. Lord, that we'd find comfort. We'd find the things that, the longings that we had. we find them met, Lord, in, in, in the context of the relationships you've given us. We thank you for that this morning in jesus name we pray everyone said amen 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 god bless you guys god bless you guys what a great what a great time we've had together today have a fantastic week uh, don't forget midweek service on wednesday night right here next sunday same place give me a great time god bless you guys